listening to the Human Care Podcast, part of the Invisible Not Broken Network. I'm your host, Eva Minkoff. On this show, I have candid conversations about chronic illness with both patients and practitioners. In other words, humans like you and me. I'm also the founder of Wellacopia, the matching site for healthcare relationships. Visit wellacopia.com to connect with your ideal medical or wellness practitioners. Today's episode is part three of my conversation with Sneha Dave, the young adult that cannot be stopped. She is determined to change the world for the better, all while taking on ulcerative colitis and more. If you haven't yet listened to parts one and two of our conversation, I suggest going back and checking those out. As for one last mentioning of her list of accomplishments, in her spare time, Sneha is an avid wilderness advocate and enjoys mountain climbing. She most recently climbed, wait for it, Mount Kilimanjaro, the highest mountain in Africa, also known as the highest single freestanding mountain in the world. In part three of our awesome conversation, we discuss healthcare communication and literacy, her love for hiking the outdoors and athleticism despite chronic illness, and striving to balance keeping track of health while there are so many opportunities as a young adult. Before we get started, a reminder that all conversations and health claims on this podcast are based on individual experiences and expertise. Everyone has their own personal and professional truths and should be treated as such. Okay, guys, let's get started. When it comes to communication, actually, let's say on an individual basis between whether it could be a healthcare provider or just someone working in healthcare and a patient, what does successful communication look like to mm-hmm. you? So um, I think successful communication looks like open-ended questions. Um, and questions that aren't targeted necessarily specifically toward the physical symptoms. So understanding the environment um, as it as it pertains to physical symptoms. Um, so for example, you know, if someone's in college and they have a lot of stress, well, that's probably going to exaggerate a lot of symptoms. So how do we focus on relieving the stress, whether that be extra time on exams or um, extra accommodations? Um, so there's a lot of things that aren't necessarily addressed that could be not easy fixes, but certainly fixes that could alleviate some of the symptoms, if that makes sense. So, I mean, at least for me in college, like I think that there were some things that my physician did that made my college experience a little bit better, such as um, allowing me to have certain accommodations and us having that conversation about that was really helpful rather than me just um, you know, telling them my physical symptoms and them leaving. So I think that's really important. And then, of course, understanding cultures is, is so, so important. I mean, even understanding the health literacy levels of, um, you know, parents or guardians is, is really important, but also of the individual patient if they don't, if they're too old to be accompanied by their, their uh, parent or guardian. Right. You know, understanding. So health literacy for those um in case you don't know, it's basically your ability to comprehend what what a health professional is telling you. Uh, and some doctors speak in 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 doctor speak, and therefore you really don't know what's going on. Sometimes, actually, they dumb it down in a way that's like, 
okay, I need more information than that. That's really not helpful enough. Um, I've, I've even found that to be the case. Maybe, I don't know for how many people that's true, but uh, it's, so if I'm hearing you correctly, it's, it's, at, it's talking to a patient so that you see them as a whole person and addressing more than just their immediate needs clinically, but like what's going on in their life that may be impacting their health and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, understanding a patient's goals is really important too. So, I mean, obviously, well, chronic illness for most is just not ever going to really go away from someone's life. And so I think that understanding what the patient wants at that certain time is really important. So for me, um, for example, I mean, it's really important for me to be physically active and climbing and hiking is a huge, huge part of my life. Um, and so, and right now, you know, I have abnormal respiratory issues, but that's all I really want is to be able to get back to those types of things that I was able to do before I had this, you know, emergence of respiratory issues. So um, I think just being clear about the, you know, understanding the patient's goals is really important. Um, too. So sorry, I think I missed something. You have um, respiratory issues? Yeah, yeah. So actually, um, I was on, it's kind of a new thing. So I was on um, an infusion. Last year at this time, I was able to run eight miles every other day. And I was kind of at like some of the, like, I just, I just felt so good last year at this time. I had a six out of six inflammation level. So good is very relative, but in terms of like athletic, um, I guess ability, I don't know if that's the right word. I, I was probably at one of the peaks of my entire life. Um, and so I started this infusion to re reduce the inf inflammation, but instead um, it gave me respiratory issues that I wasn't able to figure out that it was the infusion because it didn't have um, that, it would it has the potential to cause, cause pulmonary issues. And so I didn't figure that out until I think about um, October, November, until I started wheezing really bad. I would wake up in the middle of the night. Um, I would have like three hours of sleep and go to college, my classes in college, because I was like just up all night, um, very uncomfortable, respite in, in, um, yeah, with breathing and everything. And so I think that was, um, yeah, so that's, that's been kind of new in my life. And so I think, um, and, and I've been working very closely with my pulmonologist to be able to start retraining again and, um, being able to, you know, just even run a mile at this point, because I've, my my lung function has gone down quite a bit um, from just a year ago due to this infusion. So, wow. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. That's uh, not a fun discovery. Yeah. No. I mean, and it's interesting. It's it took, yeah, it took so long to figure out that it was the infusion because that infusion did not contain any any information about pulmonary issues. And so, that's another thing, actually, too, is that. Um, it took a lot to get my doctor to recognize that at Mount Sinai. Oh. Um, and so, and you know, what's really interesting to me is that there has been one case uh, report um, about um, someone on Intivio having pulmonary issues, and that was by authors in Germany. Um, but I'm seeing this a little bit more with my peers who are on the same infusion. And I feel as though this is something that needs to be researched and that needs to be published a lot more. Um, and also just to be clear, that case report in Germany, um, you had to pay about $60 to get access to that. And so, um, you know, as a patient, you are searching for information and for reasons why you're 
you're having kind of respiratory decline in a way, but you're not able to find information. And then when you find information online, you have to pay $60 to get access to that one piece of information you can find online. Um, and so I just think it's, yeah, it's, it's just really fascinating how there's a lot of barriers for patient um, self-empowerment to find out what's wrong. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of times it is up to the patient to be able to determine um, what's going on with them because the doctor is not always accessible immediately. Um, and, you know, for me, I live such a busy lifestyle. Like this summer, I was in Boston for the first half, I was doing research. And then for the second half, I was in New York City um, interning. And so I was like moving around a bunch of places and I'm not the best at keeping track of my health either. So, um, yeah, which is something I'm still working on, <laughs> even after about 15, 16 years of living with ulcerative colitis. Um, and in fact, I think it's because I've lived with ulcerative colitis for so long that I'm just like, oh, it's fine. Um, which is something that I'm really trying to work on because that is not the case at all. And I need to be a little bit more um, on top of things. But once again, it's it's very hard as a young adult who has so many opportunities and there's so many things going on to have to focus on on your health too. So a balancing act, always going to be a balancing act. Right, right. And you know, if it's not work, it's play. And we are all entitled to play. Um, yeah. I always think my my little my little tip um, is that, is, is try to find ways to play while taking care of yourself, which yeah. I guess, hmm, well, maybe not with the respiratory issue right now, but, um, but hiking is a really good example of that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think outdoor recreation, um, is so important and that's been huge for me. Um, I mean, my parents, my entire life have been super outdoorsy people. They've always, I've been very lucky that they've encouraged just being outside and going on hikes and stuff. And so um, one of the things that's been, or two things that have been my release throughout college is I um, am a trail maintenance volunteer at my local state park. And I've been able to help uh, keep one of the trails wheelchair accessible, which has been so much fun because I learned how to use a chainsaw and all these different tools. It was just so much fun. I know it's it's really funny to me too that I use a chainsaw, but um, it's been so much fun just to be you know outdoors and to be in in a place where there's not like this hyper stress like there is in college a lot of times. Um, but the other thing that's been really important to me has been climbing, um, and so um, rock climbing has been certainly one of the biggest releases. And I've before the pandemic, I would go every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, and just have an hour or two. Um, in the morning just for myself and I would not schedule any calls during that time or not do any work except maybe like a little bit of homework in between my climbs but um, it was just so nice to have that sort of time and I think physical activity to any extent even just walking up the stairs a few times a day um, or you know doing some weights or something just for a little bit is super important just to keep yourself as you know move as um yeah, as much moving as, po as po I don't know how I just said that, but moving as much as possible, I think is really, really great. Yeah. I <laughs> agree more. I'm a really big proponent of uh, what I call intentional movement. Like you can call it exercise if you want um, it, but it just means being in touch with your body and make, and, and, and having it work intentionally. Uh, mm -hmm. And now everybody uh, in the world, but definitely with a chronic illness has a different definition of what that looks like. Um, and it may take a lot of time like people so I love working out and actually I have to work out uh, I can't push myself too hard but mm -hmm. if I don't work out it's really bad too um, 
and I'm pretty good at finding that middle ground. But uh, I have people asking me all the time, like, oh, you're fibromyalgia. How, how can you do that? I can barely, you know, do X, Y, Z. Like I can't lift weights and um, I'm not their trainer, <laughs> but I say like, I would try and find a way, um, even if it's like really little baby steps, to just find a way to be intentional and work your way up to whatever makes sense for you. Uh, it's, and it's also just important for everyone's health, right? <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, doing what you can. And I mean, I'm really proud of anyone who takes that first step with a chronic illness um, because it's really hard because you feel like you should be like, you know, the most athletic when you start exercising or like you should be able to run a marathon and all these things but it's like for some of us that's just not a reality that's attainable at this time and so I think taking that first step and just doing what you can is so important important and so admirable um I think truly so I've actually uh recently found the best balance in doing 10 minute workouts but I do pretty intense 10 minute workouts like I'll do things online uh because it really depends on the day with me, but my joints, like if I do too much for too long, my joints get mad at me. And they're like, okay, you need to stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I worked out, I started um, actually recording. I don't know why I haven't been recording for years, but I did 20 days um, out of, out of 30 last month. Yeah. And uh, that was more than I usually had. And it was because the majority of them were 10 minute workouts, but they were intense 10 minute workouts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's, it's really cool also to see how much you progress too. I think it's like, you know, for me at the beginning of high school, I wasn't even able to walk up the stairs by myself. And for me to be able to run eight miles last year um, at a relatively good pace was really, really something that I had worked toward for so long. And it took so much effort too. I mean, it wasn't just like, I just hopped on the treadmill and was able to run like two or three miles at a time. Like it was very, very, a, a very, very slow progression of me running like half a mile and a mile then two miles. And, um, you know, it's been a little frustrating to lose that, I think over this year, but I think that hopefully I can kind of get back to that, that normal that I had last year. So I have no doubt when you, the moment you are able, whether it be for respiratory reasons or the pandemic, I, I, I heard that you, climbed um mount kilimanjaro <laughs> your next is everest like this <laughs> there's no stop for you. I yeah, no. yeah, um i i keep talking to you forever i really like you um <laughs> uh, i um i wanted to know there's there's so much you've been working on around patient advocacy and first of all thank you i just want to say one big thank you for taking initiative um, in our community and especially for an even smaller subset of our community of people of young adults where really we we just don't get uh, like people with chronic illnesses in general are often overlooked and those with young adults especially having uh, really experienced it intensely at a young age mm-hmm. or it's as you said like a little bit delayed sometimes like like life in general is a bit more delayed Mm -hmm. uh i mean i don't know if i've ever met anyone who really was supporting people in that age group or or with those particular problems like i'm i'm 30 years old now i just turned 30 like a couple weeks ago i'm like ah (laughs) and um and i'm thinking about in my like 
it, it was the worst for me when I was uh, in my late teens and early 20s. I didn't even get diagnosed until I was 20. Yeah, 20. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I would have, I would have given so much to have had a community at that point. Mm-hmm. I really didn't know. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know who to talk to, and especially with fibromyalgia. And I look healthy and all these things. It, uh, mm-hmm. I felt very, very lost and judged. It it was a hard time. Uh, so so thank you for being that person for us. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's really exciting. This, you know, Health Advocacy Summit has grown so much because there is such a huge need and there's so many people who are kind of, you know, young adults who are in this liminal state where they don't really know what's next for them and they don't really know how to navigate a lot of these, um, these social pressures. And so I think it's, um, yeah, so I think it's really, really a, a, a critical time. And I think if we can make, sure that we're properly providing resources and intervening in this population then we can have more you know young adult patients go out out into adulthood and fulfill you know maybe their dreams before they got diagnosed or um, just be in a place where they feel good and they can even pursue their employment opportunities that work for them and things like that so. yeah and you're cre- you're creating many advocates yeah yeah no that's that's part of um you know our intention specifically so the Crohn's and Colitis Young Adults Network was a originally a nonprofit that I had created in high school, um, but I sort of we kind of merged that with the Health Advocacy Summit because it's really hard to be doing two different organizations at once. Um, so with the Crohn's and Colitis Young Adults Network right now, we are quite literally training the next generation of um, inflammatory bowel disease advocates. So we have um, fellows from this is our second year of our international fellowship program. So we have fellows from all across the US um, and we have a fellow from the UK and one from India. And um, they're all young adults with inflammatory bowel diseases and they produce monthly content for our website. Um, They hear from speakers in the policy space. They hear from speakers in the social media space. Um, And then we also fly them all to a US-based IBD conference. Um, which has been canceled. So we're looking for a different one to, to go to and take them all to. But it's really a, a way to give them a platform and sort of take that first step if they haven't had the opportunity. Um, and, and hopefully they can continue pursuing advocacy beyond the fellowship program. But we've gotten so much interest um, from young adults all across the world in this upcoming application cycle for our fellowship program. And unfortunately, we don't have enough funding to be able to support all of them. But um, we're really excited to, to kind of be taking a select few of patient advocates that we really feel can um, make an impact now and, and continue making an impact as they um, kind of go into adulthood too with IBD. Awesome. I love it. Well, uh, we have to wrap up now, but um, is there any lasting message uh, that you want to put out there? or even something you want to mention that you haven't uh, had the chance to yet? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I think one of a very generic piece of advice is to keep doing the things that you love, even, you know, maybe even before you got sick and the things that make you happy and even doing them in a, in a modified way, I think is, is really important um, for you kind of living up to 
what you see yourself living up to in a way. So I think it's really important to keep doing the things that you love and not let your chronic illness get in the way. I mean, maybe your chronic illness might modify um, what life looked like for you, but I don't think that it has to stop you from doing what you wanted to do before you got sick or before you got into a flare up um, if you've had a chronic illness for a long time. Um, and the other thing that I found that's been very helpful to for myself, especially um, with keeping myself as occupied and, um, you know, off thinking about my chronic illnesses as, you know, uh, one can very easily do is having a few things going on at once. So for example, I have health advocacy summit going on. I love to climb and I love to hike. So I, I'm kind of like dipped into uh, a di kind of different um, areas. And I think that's been really helpful. And I think it's really important to have different things that you're passionate about and that you um, can kind of involve yourself and give your energy to, even if that's just a little bit of energy, um, it's just nice to have multiple things um, going on at once too. Very well said. Well, uh, thank you so much for this. Mm -hmm. This is a delightful conversation. And I am, I'm really excited to see what else you, <laughs> comes your way and what you put out into the world. And uh, oh yeah, and uh, happy early birthday. Congratulations on graduating. Yeah. Oh. Exciting time. You make yeah. uh, you make pandemic look really exciting. <laughs> well, it's crazy because um, before I was traveling like sometimes three or four times a month, and now I'm like not traveling at all, which is not gonna lie, really nice <laughs> because I can rest a lot more in traveling, especially while I was in college. Um, was extremely hectic because it's like I was, you know my flight came back at like 6 or 7 a.m. and I was in class by like 10 a.m. and I was like oh my gosh I can't do this anymore and so I, I would not wish the pandemic ever to happen again I mean it's been terrible for everyone and I think specifically a lot for me as well but it's just been given me given it's given me a lot more of a time to like relax and um, get other things in order specifically my health that I'd been neglecting for so long there you so go. you got that break that you needed exactly exactly and I've gotten all the medical tests that I quite frankly should have gotten like a few months ago I've been getting those done which has been very great for myself so yeah. well um I know that you're one to take advantage of an opportunity. So yeah. uh, this is a different kind of opportunity. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, uh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Human Care Podcast, part of the Invisible Not Broken Podcast Network. If you haven't already, please take the next 30 seconds to do these three things. Hit our subscribe button, leave feedback with a review, and share this episode with a loved one. Don't forget to check out our official Invisible Not Broken Network Facebook group. Please join us in our community conversations where you can ask questions, connect with fellow Invisible Illness peers, and make suggestions for the podcast visit facebook.com slash groups slash invisible not broken. And this link will of course be in the show notes. Also, if you ever want to submit a question or suggestion directly, feel free to send an email to chronicillnesspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for tuning in and being part of our mission to transform healthcare into human care. Mm -hmm.